Thank you, brother. Amen. Man, I like that song. Amen. Stayed upon Jehovah, and you will find him to be faithful and true. And uh, what a blessing. Well, take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to 1 Timothy and chapter number 6 tonight. 1 Timothy and, uh, and chapter number 6 tonight. And, and so if you remember, we finished up uh, last week in, in chapter number 5 uh, by what I would say was we were dealing with Timothy. Amen. Uh, as the church, as he led the church in Ephesus and in carrying out the, the church polity that really the bulk of the chapter uh, dealt with in, in dealing with the widows and the pastors. Listen, it not only mattered, it not only mattered what Timothy did, it mattered how he did it. He needed to do it ethically. So what I would say to you tonight is this, is that as chapter 5 concludes, or concluded with ethics in the ministry, chapter 6, chapter 6 picks up, with ethics in the workplace. Because here's the thing, it not only matters what you say, child of God, it matters how you do it. And that carries over into everything, even in the workplace. So look at verse number 1 of chapter 6. It says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren. Rather, do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach uh, and, and exhort. So here's the idea here, all right? Though the text uses the terms servants and masters, all right? Because that was the social order of their day. That, that's the reality, all right? But the application to us is the relationship between employee and employer, all right? And so, and here's the idea tonight. God's people aren't just to be good employees and good employers. We're to be godly employees and godly employers. Well, why? Why would we be that way? Well, here's why. So that our co-workers and our bosses and our supervisors in our foremans or whatever title it is that you want to say around you so that they too can be saved. That's the whole idea tonight. Father, bless the preaching now, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you be seated uh, tonight? So let's just go ahead and deal with this right off the bat here, not to start a war, so to speak, but I think that it does need to be said. Our culture likes to make a big deal out of the Bible using terms like servants and masters. And the reason is because this is their vain attempt to undermine the Bible. All right, but the other thing is this, we live in a culture that has a real big issue with authority. All right, and, and so that's, so let me, let me be very clear with you tonight, okay? Nowhere does the Bible condone the cruel slavery that is unfortunately found in the history of our nation. Nowhere does the Bible do that. Nowhere does the Bible go along with that. But, all right, you need to listen to this. It does deal with people where they're at in the order of society they are in. And such is our case tonight. In their day, the servant-master relationship 
it was a reality. All right? Just like, listen, you need to understand this. Just like it still very much is in most parts of the world today. To which I would say we need to be very grateful for our nation. Uh, and the freedoms and the liberties that we do have. And, and so the idea here is to get us to understand that nowhere does the Bible call us to have rebellious attitudes towards our authorities. Rather, it calls us to have a Christ-like attitude towards our authorities so that we might have a godly influence on them. And the same, the same principle applies to the employer-employee relationship that is found within our culture. Does everybody understand that tonight? So just, just so we're clear, when I was a kid uh, growing up, I, I spent a lot of time uh, with my grandfather, my dad's uh, dad, and uh, he, was, he was my hero. And man, we did, I mean, I just almost went everywhere with him. I, we went crabbing, we went mullet fishing. That was, that was a fish, not just a haircut, all right? Uh, and we camping, vacations, all, all of that stuff. And as I got older, his advice and, and stories uh, always meant the most to me as a, as a young man and, and even as a, as a kid. There are two things I wish I would have written down when my grandpa was still alive. I wish I'd have written down his barbecue sauce recipe. I'm telling you right now, he'd have loved it. Uh, the day I, Sunday I candidated for this church, to become the pastor of this church. The next day, we got up and drove all the way to Florida so I could preach this funeral. He never knew we, that God had called us to the Kansas City. But I'm telling you right now, he'd have loved it. He, he would have absolutely loved it. But the other thing that I wished I'd have written down was his World War II stories. Uh, he served in the Air Force during World War II and flew the B-24 uh, airplane. He operated the, the 50 caliber guns, the, the top gunner and the bottom gunner. He done, you know, both of those things. And, and that, there were times where I could listen and pry out some stories from him and ask some questions. He really wouldn't talk a, a lot about uh, those, those types of things. But I, I'll never forget, and I can't remember where we were at. I, it, was, it, was, it was a family get-together. It was either Thanksgiving or Christmas. I can't remember which holiday it was. But anyways, there we were, and we were talking, and Papa was talking, and when Papa talks, everybody be quiet, amen, uh, because Papa is, is talking, and, 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 and anyways, he went into this and started talking about when he got shot down. Nobody knew this, and everybody was just like, what? I mean, people were stopping, well, what, wait, what? You got shot down? Nobody, nobody said, I mean, he, he had never said anything about this, and it just floored everybody. Now, here's what I'm trying to get at with you tonight. L listen, people do the same thing with their faith. And folks, I, I understand a guy not wanting to talk about his time in the military and maybe having to relive some of those moments of fear or, or tragedy or whatever the case may be. But I'm telling you tonight, our faith and our salvation in Jesus Christ, it shouldn't be that way. You, you understand? That's the greatest thing that could happen to you as a child of God, that's the greatest moment that could take place in your life. And the truth of the matter is, it ought to be at the very center of our life and who we are. And so it should be something that we talk about frequently and, and freely. The reason that I bring all of this up tonight is to say this, that outside of the home, the workplace is where God's people typically spend the majority of their time. 
All right, I realize the day and age in which we live in, but I'm just saying to you, typically speaking, that, that's, that's how it goes. And so it should be that as we desire to be a godly influence in our homes, that we would desire to also be a godly uh, influence in our workplace. And, and so that's really what, what, what the text is about uh, tonight, is that it begins to deal with, with ethics in the workplace, because not only, listen, not only does it have to do with what we say, but our walk ought to back up our talk if we're going to be that, that godly influence. I just Let me, just before we even dive into this tonight, and I don't think it's going to take very long for us, it's just a couple of verses that will draw some things out, some very practical things, but I do want to share with you just a couple of things that I have learned uh, in my lifetime in, in regards to the jobs that, that we have and, and, and things like that. Number one is this, God gives us our jobs. Yeah, let, me, let me warn you tonight of having that arrogant American mentality where you got your job and it's your money and, and all this. No, 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 my friend. Listen, it is God that sets kingdoms up and puts kingdoms down. It is God that allows America to exist. It is God that allowed you to be born into this country. It is God's air that you and I are breathing. And what I'm saying to you tonight is this is that your job and my job and those kind of things, they all fall under the sovereignty and the blessings of God on the life of God's people. I have, I have often given this personal uh, testimony of when Natalie and I uh, were, were married and, and, and uh, early in our marriage and faced with, uh, you know, I was losing our, the welding job that I had. The plant was about to close down. And so there was the temptation to... Uh, to get to get out of you know to 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 know, you know to to go out of town and start working and making more money and things like that. However, I would have also gotten out of church, and so I would say you know we we have came to that conclusion that listen, money's not everything, and and we wanted to put God first in our life. But but what's what was amazing is that on the other side of that decision, what was amazing was to see how God supplied as the current job I had begin to come to an end, and then I needed to find one locally. It's amazing, God, uh, the way God supplied. I ended up uh, putting in with another uh, chemical plant that was uh, down the road uh, there, and they were uh, just, just, you know, just happened to be hiring, right? And so I put in my application, and I had prayed about it, and I just had total peace about it, and I just knew... This is where the Lord wanted me. And so sure enough, they called me and they said, hey, we want you to come in and, and, and take a welding test. And so I came in and I went through the interview with the guy and, uh, and he asked me some questions. And, and I had said, well, you know, at this, you know I, at this point in my life, I had just gotten, I'd just gotten serious about pipe welding. But before this, I did a lot of industrial maintenance and mechanic work and, and things like that. And so what happened was, they took me back and I did a welding test and I did a TIG test and a stick test and I ended up failing the stick part uh, of the test. And man, so I left and I was, I was bummed out and, and I went back and I had a couple of weeks left still at my old job and, and I, just, I just kept working, I kept praying and I just felt like, Lord, I, I, I know that this is where you want me to be. So Lord, if this is where you want me to be, then, then, then open the door. And, and I just kept, you know, waiting on God and, and trusting God. About 10, 10 days later, the guy calls back. 
And he goes, hey, man. He goes, when you were here, he goes, didn't you say something about doing some industrial maintenance and stuff like that before you got into welding? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, look. He said, we need welders bad. And so what I want you to do is I want you to come in and I want you to take the mechanics test. And it's a written test. And you can take that and we'll see where you're at there. And if you pass, we'll go ahead and hire you and in as a mechanic and then we'll let you retake the welding test after I, I think it was like a certain amount of days I had to wait and then I could retake the test and I said all right I said okay and so I came in I'm praying I'm ready I go in and he gives me this big long written test and he says now look he said you, you can miss 17 answers and still pass and I went okay so I went through the whole test I mean, it was like long. It took me like an hour and a half or something. I'm writing all these answers down, doing all this stuff. And I hand it back to him, and he starts grading. He's got the red ink pen. He's, that's not good. He's writing stuff. I'm getting a little nervous. I lost count. I'm starting to sweat. And, and so he gets done, and he, looks, and he hands it to me. And I said, I said okay. I said, so uh, how many did I miss? And he looks up at me and goes, 17. You're hired. Now, you can look at me tonight and go, well, hey, you know, preacher, that's just luck. No, that's not luck at all. That's God supplying. That's God answering prayer. That's God. Listen, listen to me tonight. Just like God gave me that job and God called me to pastor Bible Baptist Church and God opened the door and put me in Faith Baptist Church. Listen to me. Just as God has had His hand on my life and guided my life and given me the responsibility that He's given me, God's had His hand on your life and giving you the responsibilities you have and the jobs you have. I'm just telling you tonight, we need to understand that principle because if you don't understand that principle, it's definitely not going to help you when you understand this next one, which is this. God gave you your job so that you could be a witness to others at your job. You need, to, you need to understand this tonight. The primary focus of our God is not how much money we make, it's the souls of men. If you don't believe me, look at the price that He paid for it. That he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross and shed his precious blood so that mankind could be forgiven of his sins. And so therefore the primary focus of, of his blessings upon his people are also about the, the souls of men. Listen, God, God doesn't bless us and give us the job that we have so that we can make our life about how much money we make or how, how big our house can be or how cool our car is. No, 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 friend. It, it, it is so that... Our lives can center on Him, and we can be concerned with that which He is concerned with, which is the souls of men. That, that's why, it, and, and their need for, for the gospel. As already mentioned, the workplace is typically where most people spend the majority of their time outside of the home. And how silly would it be that we spend all of that time there Yet we, we don't say anything about our salvation or we're not an influence or, or a testimony for Jesus Christ, especially when God gave you that job. And I, listen, and I understand tonight some of the rules and things that, that, that companies and corporations, as they become anti-God and anti-Christ, that they make. But I'm saying to you, friend, there's ways around that. That you can still be the witness that, that God has called you to be. And you need to understand this tonight. I have seen people won to Jesus Christ by their fellow employee. I've seen it happen. I've done it. Man, I can remember when I was training for the ministry at Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. Led a guy to Jesus Christ that I worked with in a secular job. Went over to his house one day. He'd had some questions and said, man, 
there's something different about you. And I was like, yeah, there is something different about me. And I went over to his house and showed him why I was different. And he, man, he called on the Lord and got saved. I remember working in a welding shop in Springfield and Man, a guy, uh, guy came to me and said, man, I, you know, I've been watching. I, need, I, I am struggling and, and just experienced something in his life that, that made him question eternity and things like that. Came and talked to me. I watched it. We got on our knees and back in the tool shop back there where all the parts was and listened to him as he called upon the Lord and got saved. I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not trying to toot my own horn tonight or anything like that. I'm just simply saying this that we can be the witnesses that we need to be and, and the testimonies that we need to be and be an influence on, on people being saved. I saw a guy in Pensacola at the job that God gave me where I passed 17 answers. And they hired another guy in. How he passed, I have no idea. But praise God, we got in witnessing to him. Him and his wife came to our, uh, our dinner on the grounds that we had there at Victory Bible Baptist Church where we were going to church at. And I had some other guys that I worked with that they were Baptists and they, they started working on it. Man, he couldn't go anywhere without hearing about the gospel. I mean, he couldn't hang out with any of us and stuff. And finally, guess what? He got saved. I'm not just saying, listen, I, the, the, we had some precious ladies there at Bible Baptist Church when I was pastoring in Cassville and they all worked together at a bank. And one lady got saved and she started witnessing to her friend and her friend come to church and she got saved. And then she started witnessing to her husband and he got saved. And then another friend that they worked with at the bank, she got saved. And it was just set off this chain reaction. Why? Because people realized God gave me my job. And the reason he gave me my job is because he cares about these people at this bank like he cares about me. And they went in, listen to this, and they not only had the message, but they had the ethics with them that backed up the message. And God used them and they won their fellow employees to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just saying to you tonight, listen, we can do the same thing. We can do the same thing. Well, how do you do that? Well, here's how you do it. Look at verse number 1. He says, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. You know what he deals with right here? He deals with our treatment to unsaved employers. That's what he's talking about. And I, listen, I, I know it seems kind of like general instruction that servants that, that come under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. But if you look at verse number 2, it says this, and they that have believing masters. All right, so that's obviously talking about saved employers. And so you'd have to conclude that if verse number 2 is talking about saved employers, then verse number 1 is a contrast to that. And really, it's talking about unsaved employers. And, 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 and so especially as you look at the second half of the verse that talks about that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed, obviously dealing with unsaved employers in our testimony to them. And here's what he says. He says, listen, if you want to have a godly testimony and an influence on unsaved employers, then not only do you obviously need to have the right message, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and saved by faith. But you need to have a right testimony that backs that up. And so with unsaved employers, here's how, do we, here's how we're to treat them. And he says this, he says, the instruction here is this, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. You know what he says? He says, honor them. Well, what, well, what does that mean? Well, 
We've been dealing with honor the whole time. In chapter 5, Paul dealt with two people groups we're to honor. We're to honor widows and we're to double honor the, the man of God. And so here he says this, we're to honor them. What does that mean? That means this, value them. It means to treat them with, with value. Means, it means, and, and really the idea, I mean, when you look back in chapter number 5, widows are to be honored, meaning valued. Pastors were to be double honored. This means they were to be financially supported by the church if the church was able. And so here an employer, if unsafe, is worthy of all honor. And, and yeah, this honor has to do with money. Well, it means this. It, it literally means this. Let's get down to where you and I are. It means this, that your boss hired you with the idea that you will make him or her money. So that means that she is, he or she is worthy of that honor that they hired you for. Well, well, well okay, so I'm to make them money. Well, what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means this, you do what you're told. That was deep, wasn't it? But it's like people don't understand this anymore. You're to do what you're told. The, the, that's the, look, look at what it says. Look at what it says. It says, let as many masters as are under the yoke. Do you know what a yoke is? A yoke is a board that's strapped across two oxen. All right? It's kind of like reins on a horse. Right? All right, so it's a yoke that goes back, across the back of an oxen or two oxen. Usually they're yoked together and tandem together. And then you have ropes that come off the end. And so you pull the rope this way and the oxen begin to turn this way. Or you pull the yoke this way and the oxen begin to turn this way. Watch this. Hey, listen, listen. Nowhere does the ox, when, when, when the master pulls on the yoke this way, nowhere does the ox look around and go, you know, I don't really feel like doing that today. Nowhere does that happen. So you understand that that's the idea. That, 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 that if, you're, if, you're, if you're under the yoke, meaning this, you're an employee, then it's simply this. Do what you are told to do. i never forget the welding shop I was working in when I was in uh, Springfield, <clears throat> Missouri. And, uh, and uh, it, was right, it was the job I had just before I became a pastor. And my supervisor came by and uh, we were talking about, you know, attitude and responsibilities and, and things like them. And he said this, he said, you know, he said, he said, my boss came to me one time and asked me, he said, what do you think your responsibilities are uh, here as an employee? And I, he goes, and he said this, he said, I looked at my boss and I said, it's to do whatever you tell me to do. If you tell me to go clean toilets that day, my job's to clean toilets. And if you tell me to sweep the floor this today, my job is to sweep the floor. And if you want me to weld, I'll weld. It's whatever you tell me to do. And I looked at him and I said, that's why you're the supervisor now. Because you had that attitude. Do you, know what, you, you understand? The, I, I, listen, the, that, that kind of attitude and work ethic will take you a long way in this world of rebellion and whiners and lazy people that want to just look at their phone all day. Drives me nuts to walk into Walmart and some kid sitting there. And, and they're an employer. I've done that before where I've come in, I had a basket and I bought something and went through the self-checkout line because people are too lazy to ring you up anymore. I think I should just get paid while I'm doing the checking out. Somebody say amen tonight. You, 
You understand what I'm saying? And there's some kid over there, some goofball teenage kid playing on his phone. So I walk by and I drop the basket at his feet and I said, here, do something, put that up. Hey, it drives me crazy. If I was a boss, I'd fire him on the spot. Stop it. Get off the, anyways, that's not all of my notes, but that's all free. Some people, listen, some people don't want to do what they're hired to do, which is work. And some people won't do anything extra outside of what they're hired to do. And if you want to succeed in the business world and you want to have God's blessing on your employment, then honor your employer by doing what you're told to do. Listen, let me help you with this. If you'll just be faithful to work and you'll show up on time or even early and do what's required, I promise you this, you will go far. Just as simple as that, you will go far. Now here's the second thing. The other, so first, do as you're told, but then secondly, here's the other thing. Do it with the right attitude. And that's what yoke, yoke implies humility. It's a submissive and thankful spirit. And this is a big reason why many of God's people are not the godly employees that God has called them to be. And here's why. It's possible to carry out the task required, but do it with a bad attitude. I've seen teenagers do it. Take out the trash. That's, well, you took the trash out, you just didn't do it like you were supposed to. And, and I've seen adults act the same way, unfortunately. The word own right there, he says this, he said, let, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy. You ever, I mean, it reminds me of what, what, what it says in Ephesians to the husbands and wives when it says, wives, submit yourself to your own husband. Why does it say that? Well, because it's a shame for a wife if she can submit herself to the authority of another man but can't do it to the one that God's put her with and her husband. And now he's saying it to employees and he's saying this, submit to honor your own, your own employer because it'd be a shame if you could come here and work under the authority of this church and serve and do things right and do it with the right attitude but then you go to the workplace and you don't think that's an important thing as well. God's people must learn to be very careful with the influence of the world's attitude. I'm telling you right now, we live in a culture that, 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 that drastic, I'm, I'm just saying, it, it increasingly, man, how do I say it? What is the word that I, it is consistently promoting the attitude of rebellion. Consistently doing it. And it promotes unthankful and critical attitudes. That's what our world does. And if we're not careful, watch this, it's, that stuff begins to, begins to impact us and we begin to do the same things. Listen, don't complain. Don't, don't whine and gripe and, and do all of that stuff. Listen, listen, listen to this. If you don't like your job and you're, not, and you're not content with what you're getting paid, you are not like a servant in this text. That, because here's the thing, you're an employee. You have the right to go out and find another job that pays more money. So go do that. And if you do, listen, and if you do, leave the right way. Leave a notice. Leave with the right spirit. Leave with the right attitude. Leave with the right testimony. The lazy people of this day, listen, I'm telling you, the lazy attitude of people today is this. They want to get rich by doing nothing. That's their goal. That's why somebody wants to get paid $20 an hour to flip burgers. That's an entry-level job. 
And that's why the Big Mac is being charged, I don't know how much, $20 for the meal, and now the McDonald's stock is tanking. You know why? Because society don't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It's not going to work. And as long as these idiot politicians, and yes, I use the correct term, idiot, and as long as they cater to that mentality, it is going to be the ruin of our nation. I will promise you that. But let's get off politics just for a moment. I'll be back later on that one. Here's the point. While that might be the attitude of our culture, that should not be the attitude of God's people. Rather that we ought to desire to honor our employees by doing what we are told and doing it with the right attitude. And here, listen, and here's the idea here. Please get this tonight. There's a reason why all of this is important when it comes to unsaved employees. Look at what he says in verse number 1. He says, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. And here's why. That the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. Do you know what the word blaspheme means? It has the idea of this being, it has the idea of this, defamation. It means to ruin the name of God and what He stands for. You know what Paul is saying? What Paul is saying right here is this, is that how we operate under the authority of our employers, it is going to have an impact on God's name among them. Well, why? Because He's supposed to be the greater authority in our lives. Is that we're not, listen, when, you, when, you, when, when we go to our secular job, it's, it's not just that we're working for them. We also have to recognize we're also working for Him. And we represent Him when, when we're in that workplace. We are ambassadors for Christ. Not just on church-wide outreach, but in our workplace. I, no, no, no. I, I know. Oh, well, preacher, we've heard all this stuff. Yeah, well, then why aren't we doing it? Why are we inviting our employees to church? Why aren't we being the witnesses? So don't, don't, don't dismiss this tonight and knock this as old hat. We need this tonight. We need to be challenged on these things tonight. Listen, we're ambassadors for Christ. And, and how we work is going to have an influence on, on, on our, how our employer might view God. And there's a real possibility that your employer and fellow employees will either receive Christ or reject Christ based on our testimonies in the workplace. Look at the word doctrine right there. He says this. He says that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. This literally means teaching. And what it's saying is this, is that if we have the wrong attitude in the workplace, then we are teaching the wrong message of Jesus Christ. Look at, look at verse number 3. And we'll get into this the next time we are here. But he says this, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. You see, Jesus didn't complain about work. Jesus didn't whine about things. Jesus wasn't a rebel. Seeking to undermine the authorities in his life. It's one of the things that makes me want to vomit sometimes. You know, I've seen a few episodes of that Chosen series. And, and, and while some things are wonderful about it, when, when they portrayed Jesus as a rebel, that was not my Jesus. You listen to this tonight? L listen, Jesus was humble. 
Jesus was faithful. Jesus was compassionate. Jesus was obedient to the Father's will for His life, no matter how difficult that was. And so when we are disobedient and we are lazy and we are griping or complaining or just outright ungodly in our testimony, we are sending the wrong message about who our God is. And we're, we're going to turn people away from Jesus Christ rather than draw them to Him. Draw him to, rather than draw them to Him. The last welding shop I worked in, this guy had the same supervisor that, that I was talking about earlier. I came in the shop, and when, when I hired in, in the shop, um, there, there was another man that, you know, you know how it is. Word gets around quickly. You don't need Facebook in the, in the shop. Everybody starts to know everything about everybody. And so sure enough, you know, word got around. I, I was not only a Christian, but I was training for the ministry and those kind of things. So I was serious about the things of God and stuff like that. And, and so, you know, I, I wasn't there but about two or three weeks. And this guy, this older man in the shop, he came up to me and he said, I heard you was, I heard you was a Christian and you're training for the ministry. Heard you was training to be a Baptist preacher. And I said, yes, sir, I am. And he said, well, he said, I'm a Baptist too. He said, I go to the oldest Baptist church in the county that I, he said the county, I can't even remember what county it was. They're in Southwest Missouri. Just, you know, bragging about it and all this. Oh, oh well, that's great. You know, and I thought, here's a guy I can have fellowship with. But I started watching. And nobody in the company, nobody in the, in the, you know, the crew, the, the company that we worked for, nobody would, would hang out with him. Nobody would, you know, really go over and talk with him. He worked by himself. They put him over there working by himself over in the corner. When I went into the break room, nobody wanted to sit around him and stuff like that. I started listening to him. Guy had one of the filthiest mouths in the shop. You want to talk about a guy who had no control over his temper? Who's that guy? And all of a sudden I began to realize why. It's because he was a hypocrite. And everybody in the shop knew that about him. And the truth of the matter, listen, it was a sad, it was a sad testimony. And one of the, one of the big sad, one of, the, one of the biggest, I guess the saddest parts about it was that everybody could see it but him. And I thought to myself, man, that's not, I don't, I don't want to have that kind of influence. I don't want to have that kind of... Does anybody get what I'm saying? He's blaspheming the name of God. And blaspheming our Savior. By pushing people away with his hypocritical testimony. I, I don't want to do that. I'm so grateful. Listen, I don't, I'm not telling you this to toot my own horn or anything, but I'm so thankful that when there came times where, and I wasn't a perfect employee. I remember, you know, talking to my supervisor and apologizing about things where I wasn't the testimony where I needed to be and stuff. And, and, and I'm so thankful we had a good relationship and stuff and all of my supervisors. But I can remember, I can remember where I had my vacation time, but then Berean Baptist Church, when they would go to things like camp or something like that, they wanted me to go and they wanted to pay me as staff for that week. And so I went to my employee, my, my big bosses, like that were just not my supervisors on the floor, but my big bosses. 
And I said, hey, my, my church wants me to go and work camp this week. Is it okay if I just have this week off and, and it can just be unpaid? I didn't want to use, I wanted to use my vacation time for my family and I had to go and take a vacation. And this is what my big boss said. He always scared me, man, because he was like a pretty intimidating dude and he didn't say a whole lot. And, you know, he was kind of pretty honorary. And I can relate. And he looked at me one day and he said this. He said, buddy, he said, we know you are on to bigger and better things. This ain't your last stop. We know God's got something special for you. So whatever you need, you just let us know and we'll work with you. And I went, whoa. That's pretty awesome. That's the kind of testimony I wanted to have. You understand what I'm saying? And I listen, I, I'm just telling you tonight, it matters. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't just matter what you say. It matters how you treat people. How you treat unsaved people. But then if you look at verse number 2, it's pretty obvious that he begins to move into saved people. And if you have a saved employer and he says, They that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren. So he says this, don't despise them. You say, why? why? And it's the idea of bitterness and envy. Well, here's, and, and, here's, and here's the thing. Sometimes believers automatically assume that because they are saved and their employer is saved, well, then I got an inroad with them. And I can take advantage of them. However, just as ethics is needed in the leadership of the church, you also got to understand that leadership in, in the workplace ethics is needed. And so the saved, listen to this, the saved employer cannot do things by partiality either. Which is what he just dealt with at the end of chapter 5 when it comes to pastoring and, and leadership. And then, and then he says in verse 21, he says to do these things without, without preferring one before the other, doing nothing by by partiality. See, the idea is this, is that a saved employer, he or she has to treat everyone fairly. And so when this happens, the saved employee may feel like, well, wait a minute. I'm their brother. They need to treat me differently when that cannot be the case. And so they begin to get jealous and, and bitter. We got to understand some things. A good work ethic should be the characteristic of every saved person. But you also need to understand this. There's some lost people out there that still have a good work ethic, and I praise God for that. So, so here's the thing. What happens when a saved employer, they get into this position where they've got to move somebody up, and they have to choose between a saved person that has a good work ethic, but they've only been here for like six months, but then they got a lost person over here that's got a good work ethic, and they've been here for ten years. Obviously, they got to go with the, the one that's got the most experience. But this is where we usually start despising. But note that it says not to despise, and here's why. Because He is your brother in Christ. In other words, just as you are seeking to please God as you serve, He's, required, he, he's, he's seeking to please God as He leads. And so He can't do this by showing partiality. He's trying to honor God by being fair, so honor Him for doing what God said. And also think about this, there may come a time where you, you are more deserving of a position than someone else, and I'll bet you'll want Him to do things without partiality then. But then notice He says this. So He says this, He says to believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, 
but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort. Listen, a Christian boss that does things without partiality and is faithful is to make sure that you are taken care of uh, fairly as an employee. Listen to me tonight. That's a blessing. And that's rare in our culture today. When you got a boss that, that, that is a Christian and, and, and listen, that, that does things in a righteous manner and ethically, therefore demonstrate a thankful attitude by serving them the, the right way. And let me also say this. You may have a boss or a fellow employee that is a Christian that's a saved person. They're just not of the same doctrine you are. Here's the thing. Listen, you can have fellowship over, over Christ. You need to learn to do that. I, remember, I worked with guys that, and, and had uh, supervisors and bosses that, that they were not Baptists, but they were saved men and they were Christian men. Maybe they were uh, evangelical or they were Pentecostal or whatever. Just listen, you don't have to argue about everything under the sun. I can play golf with the Pope, but I'm a witness to him while I'm playing golf. You understand what I'm saying? So rejoice in those things and fellowship over the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, the bottom line is this, is then when it's all said and done, everybody's going to stand before God and everybody's going to have to give an account. And we're not just going to have to give an account of how we serve the Lord in Faith Baptist Church. We're going to have to give an account of our employee, employer relationship. We're going to have to give an account of how we've done things at home, whatever the case may be. But here's the thing tonight. We don't need to shy away from the gospel and being the witness and the testimony that we need to be. But we also need to be, we also need to understand this tonight. It's not just about what you say. It's about how you do things in your workplace. Ethics matters. It matters there as well. Can I ask you something? I know, look, I realize there are people here tonight, retired, don't do this. But here's the thing, it doesn't matter. How's your, how, what kind of employee are you? Are you one that's, Seeking to be a witness and a testimony? Are you one tonight that's one way here and one way at home, but another way in the workplace? Listen, that's, that's not the way to be tonight. Let's all stand.